Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham, a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're looking at the M&A trends highlighted in the latest deal flow predictor. This is based on data from Intralink's due diligence platform. I'm joined by Ken Bisconti, co-head of SS&C Intralinks, to discuss the findings from the fourth quarter deal flow predictor. Hi, Ken. Thanks very much for joining me. Hi, Juliana. So to begin with, can you briefly outline what the deal flow predictor is and what it's based on, please? Yeah, happy to. The, the deal flow predictor is a quarterly research note that we put together, you know, based on the insights of tens of thousands of deals that come across our global deal desks in M&A due diligence. And, you know, basically we're looking at the deals that get started in a particular quarter and the anticipated announcement activity that usually follows about six months after uh, people enter diligence. Great, thank you. Can we look now at an overview of M&A activity globally? What have you seen in the first three quarters of 2022? And what are you expecting to see in this final quarter of the year? Great question. I think it's probably on a lot of people's minds. You know, we, we saw... I think in uh, Q1, you know, we started to see early signs of market stress um, begin to coagulate at the end of last year as inflation started taking a global toll on on financing costs for deals. And, you know, in Q1 of this year, we saw the the lowest amount of pre-announced deal flow on a trailing four-quarter basis. Of course, you know, exacerbated by the uh, the announcement of the war in, in Ukraine. In Q2, you know, deal flow rebounded quite significantly to uh, near resistance levels as we, you know, s- that we saw in uh, the height of 2021. Um, so as the markets, you know, it, at the time seemingly priced in future rate hikes and other, you know, political economic challenges into their forecasts and, and started to push ahead with, with grosser sales strategies. Now we're still wrapping up Q3, uh, which tends to be a, a slower quarter due to, uh, due to summer. But early indications are the the markets are, are leveling off marginally from Q2, but we'll have you know a little more clarity you know after the quarter ends. And I would say just to maintain some perspective, you know, 2021 was just a, a phenomenal year from a deal volume standpoint, and we anticipate last year to be a, a benchmark for some time to come. But you know, despite the all the macro you know challenges that we're facing you know globally and just financial and, and political issues, you know, this year surpassed every quarter of 2020 and 2019. So the markets are pretty, pretty healthy still when we, you know, zoom out of the chart, if you will. So looking now at the different regions, firstly, can you talk through what's been happening in the Asia Pacific region? Which sectors there saw the most activity and what the headwinds have been? Yeah, happy to. So, you know, first to, to level set, each of the four quadrants that we track, you know, APAC, as well as EMEA, Latin America, North America, saw fairly uniformly an an uptick in deal flow in Q2 um, compared to Q1. We saw in in APAC double digit growth in the region. So the region's moving in the right direction. You know, we're we're anticipating approximately a 10% growth in deal volume quarter on quarter in APAC, though still slightly negative 
year on year, you know, Q2 on Q2 from 2021, which of course was a, was a high point uh, uh, for uh, multiple years. We saw volume upticks in major markets like Australia, People's Republic of China and, and South uh, Korea. So a resurgence in major markets like these are pretty positive indicators for the region. You know, APAC, of course, experienced a pretty harsh summer through extreme combination of typhoons and droughts, and that impacted some of uh, PRC, Japan, South Korea. So we'll probably see a bit of impairment in, in Q3, you know, this year. Probably the biggest challenge that we're hearing about in the region is in, uh, in, in People's Republic of China and their zero COVID policy. You know, the, the region and, and the world, you know, are, are anxious for them to be back at full capacity to uh, tackle, you know, various shared issues we're going through. Great. Thank you. And how does the APAC region differ to EMEA? What activity trend what activity and trends are you seeing in the EMEA region? Well, we, we're expecting double-digit growth in EMEA as well, quarter on quarter. Moderate downside um, from 2021 to 2022. Uh, EMEA, of course, stands at the front line of absorbing the Ukrainian invasion and has heavy reliance, you know, uh, and the need to substitute Russian energy. And um, that's, you know, manifesting in in surging inflation and gas prices across the region. But despite these challenges, we saw nearly record deal flow in Q2, the second best quarter in volume going back to 2019. So, you know, having such high volume at a time when the world is collectively experiencing economic and political, you know, headwinds could mean that um, sellers are struggling, you know, to, to keep up with inflation and rising operating costs and seeking exits. You know, we'll see what type of deals and what valuations, you know, get announced in, in Q4 and Q1 of next year. You know, having this quantity of deals start in the region in Q2, you know, indicates sellers are still willing to, in, to, to sell and buyers are willing to invest, you know, in the region. We saw in particular strong performance out of France, Italy and Spain uh, in Q2. Thank you. And looking towards the West now. The deal flow predicts is forecasting double-digit recovery in North American volumes in quarter four. What's driving that resurgence and what trends can we expect towards the end of the year? And can you put it into some kind of wider context for us, given the market is so volatile at the moment? Juliana, that's, that's a great question. And it's important to maybe clarify for, for um, listeners that the, the DFP is a report um, communicating volume of, you know, new due diligence activity that happens in a quarter. And, you know, we saw in uh, North America, uh, again, you know, quarter on quarter, a strong upside compared to what we heard in, in Q1. So we're expecting strong upside in, in Q4 with the U.S. leading the way, Canada trailing a bit uh, with moderate to flat growth. But, you know, those ultimate deal announcements and deal closes are, you know, certainly somewhat influenced by what additional, you know, market activity or volatility might might occur, you know, since due diligence begins in, in Q2. One insight we had, by the way, in the U.S. was an uptick in bankruptcy or distress-related opportunities, um, both quarter on quarter and year on year. So, you know, keep in mind that the U.S., unlike EMEA, uh, did not have any regulatory pillars that protected companies from 
filing for insolvency through COVID. Um, the, the U.S. obviously have an outsized impact globally uh, in providing market confidence and direction. You know, but again, like every territory we cover, you know, seeing volume reach this level when we're all aware of the challenges we're facing can be an indicative of a larger trend of companies struggling to maintain valuations and revenue expectations from 2021 and, uh, and, and seeking exits. Now, turning to Latin America, with a strong bounce back expected, can you tell us more about the trends in the region and what hurdles it's seen this year and how they've impacted the market? We did see strong early stage deal flow in Q2, which is a good sign for a potential rebound in in Q4 of announced volume compared to Q3. Latin America has always bore the brunt of market volatility from our vantage point. But, you know, keeping with with global trends, it's been seeing a a strong resurgence. The, The major markets there you know, have some transformative events to deal with this year. Uh, presidential elections in Brazil and Colombia, Argentina's debt crisis. But despite some of these, you know, potential policy shifting events, you know, we saw the strongest rebound quarter on quarter and 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 year on year uh, in in that region. And we've talked about it a bit already in this interview, but looking at the challenges we've seen. You mentioned Ukraine, rising interest rates. How do you expect some of those challenges to impact the rest of the year? I think that, you know, again, despite strong quarter on quarter growth in, in deal activity in Q2, uncertainty remains in the ultimate, you know, announced deals that will happen six-ish months later. And, you know, there are roughly, you know, primarily three concerns that we're still, you know, seeing as challenges. Interest rates and borrowing costs, of course, the, the biggest concern. Now, rates are already at their highest since 2008 and more hikes are being priced into growth strategies across the, the globe. Um, now, this can be advantageous to, to acquirers who've secured capital commitments prior to the hikes. And we know there's lots of dry capital um, uh, dry powder in in the uh, in the private markets, for instance, but you know, acquirers coming to market with financing requirements are gonna are gonna continue to experience credit tightness, and and that will be uh, a challenge. Secondly, you know, the uh, any escalation in the Ukraine is going to present broad challenges from energy allocation to global food supplies, and you know, it's uh, uh, the, the biggest thing that could destabilize you know global security order. And finally, I would say, you know, China, you know, continuing its zero COVID policy and the world's reliance on produce and consuming their consumption of global goods is, you know, maybe the third, you know, big, big challenge that that we're watching. So, you know, we're excited about the, um, you know, the quarter on quarter growth that we that we saw in the strong resurgence of activity in Q2, you know, but there's still a cautionary flag out for what will result from that, you know, due diligence activity that's now in motion, you know, due to the, uh, the, the growth of, of new deals uh, in Q2. Thank you. And finally, how can people read the latest deal flow predictor? We would love for people to read the deal flow predictor in its entirety. You can go to intralinks.com slash DFP. It's probably the easiest way to, to receive it. Wonderful. Ken, thanks very much. Thank you. 
That was Ken Bisconti, co-head of SS&C Intralinks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of DealCast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, have a look at our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.